Did you have deja vu when looking at this episode? No, the reloaded matrix isn't glitching. Welcome to a very special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind, Rewind. We will be re-releasing old episodes remixed by moi, Spro, with clips from the films we are talking about, and sometimes there will be a surprise guest. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our social media pages run by the incredible talents of MC. Instagram is 2ndchancinema. That's 2ndchancinema. Twitter is at MC and Spro. Go check them out for more content, jokes, and screenshots of the movies we are doing. As always, dear listener, we appreciate you, and we hope you're having a good day. If not, sit back, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and let our past selves try and make it better. Enjoy the old show. I read this article a while back that said that Microsoft employs more millionaire secretaries than any other company in the world. They took stock options over Christmas bonuses. It was a good move. I remember there was this photograph of one of the groundskeepers next to his Ferrari. Blew my mind. You see shit like that and it just plants seeds. Makes you think it's possible, even easy. And then you turn on the TV and there's just more of it. The $87 million lottery winner. That kid actor that just made 20 million on his last movie. That internet stock that shot through the roof. You could have made millions on it if you just got in early. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Get in. I didn't want to be an innovator. I just wanted to make the quick and easy buck. I just wanted in. Notorious B.I.G. said it best. Either you sling and crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. Nobody wants to work for it anymore. There's no honor in taking that after-school job at Mickey D's. Honor's in the dollar, kid. So I went the white boy way of slinging crack rock. I became a stockbroker. All right, welcome to Second Chance Cinema. Woo-hoo! Spro, how are you? I'm great. How are you, MC? I'm freezing. It's just <laughs> Cleveland weather. It's the first time it snowed since last year. Last night it happened, and I woke up this morning. There were little pitter-patters of what looked like cocaine on my deck table. It's 27 degrees. But we're not here to talk about snow. We're here to talk about movies. Absolutely. Or, or cocaine. We might get into cocaine a little bit, but we're mostly here to talk about movies. And the point of this show, I'm going to give my little spiel, and then I want you to give your little spiel about what the point of this show is. All right. I, th- I think basically what it is, we go way back. We go way back to high school. We lived together in college. We found ourselves watching a lot of movies that sort of went under the radar for reasons basically amounting to the fact that people didn't kind of give them their just due. They, they, they got a bad rap. Is it bad rap or bad rep? Bad rep. It's a bad rep. Bad reputation. Okay. I was thinking about that actually on the way over here because I knew it was going to come up, and I know we're both award-winning writers, and <laughs> I was hoping that one of us would know that. Yes, bad reputation. Bad a... reputation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought that. I thought that it was you have a bad rep, but you get a bad rap because rap sometimes in urban youth culture means to talk. <laughs> so it's like you're getting badly talked about. Films that get a bad rep that really aren't that bad. They're films that, for whatever reason didn't do well but also kind of did on the negative side uh, at least in terms of the reviews and the general feedback about them but we don't think that's the case we think that they're actually pretty awesome how do you feel about that that breaks it down really well what we were talking about before is there are so many podcasts out there that are just to review or rip apart films True. where we want to celebrate films because films is i mean when we were in college together in our dorm rooms 
all we did was watch films. Watch films and play GoldenEye on Nintendo 64. You just had to bring up GoldenEye because I, you were undefeated at well, GoldenEye. Well, I, you know. Keep talking. The king reigns. Movies get us through the hard parts. They get us through the lows and the highs when you want to revisit one of your favorite films. And these are not necessarily the award-winning films. No. So instead of reviewing these films, I said, why don't we revive them? Because nowadays, all Hollywood doing is rebooting. So nobody's going back and revisiting these films that back in the 2000s were the greatest. And a lot of these films do come from the 2000s. <laughs> Weirdly enough. enough. Yeah. Some of them that I'm thinking that are on the list that we'll maybe give a little preview insight into later are like from the mid-90s. You know, like there's one specific one that I'm thinking of that's just going to blow everyone away when we do the episode. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you which one it is, but you could probably think of it. And that was 1995 from what I remember. Anyway, we're going to start a little tradition here on the show by playing the trailer for the movie and while the trailer is playing i have challenged myself to write a haiku which is a <laughs> traditional japanese poem that is written in three lines of five syllables seven syllables five syllables and i will do that in a way that explains the plot and explains the dynamic behind the movie and essentially why we're reviewing it so i'm going to go ahead and we will play the audio from the trailer Okay, here's the trailer. Become an employee of this firm, you will make your first million within three years. I'm gonna repeat that. You will make a million dollars. At the stock trading house of JT Marlin, a new generation is building their fortune. So I want you to go out, buy yourselves a new car. Go buy yourself a house. We're superstars now. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. Yeah! Yeah, you have to be closing all the time and be aggressive. Learn how to push. This is Chris Marlin over at JT Marlin. This stock is blowing up right now. The whole firm's going nuts. Hold on, let me open up the door to my office. See that, Doc? Give me the 2,000 shares. Done. Sale is made every call you make. The only question is, who's going to close, you or him? You can be whoever you want to be on the phone. I'm 46 years old. I have 22 years of market experience. The whole place is going nuts. Well, you see, we deal in stocks that really move. I am your kid's college fund. Yes, my first account, baby. You're one of us now. This kid is really good. Okay, he's going to go down hard. Sky's the limit. Are you going to be rich, Seth? <laughs> I hope so. How come I've never heard of this firm? I saw John shredding a bunch of documents. So why would you want to look too deep into something? I mean, you're not curious? What are you doing? Man, these guys are no joke. I figured out how Michael's making his money. We're selling stock for companies that don't exist. FBI, we'd like to talk to you about your relationship with Seth Davis. Somebody tells you that they got money problems? Wrong answer. No. I want my money back. I'm sorry, Harry. I can't do that. Destroying people's lives. I want to get out of the firm. I don't care what you do anymore. Just get out of here! Seth Davis here. It's time, Seth. Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, Neil Long, Tom Everett Scott, and Ben Affleck. Anybody who tells you money is the root of all evil doesn't have any. Welcome to the new American dream. Okay, I think I've got it. Okay. <laughs> Let me, let me put these in order, okay, because we want to respect the tradition of the 575. Okay, so you heard the trailer. Here's the haiku. Stockbrokers are bad. Giovanni Rubisi. Ben Affleck is great? <laughs> With a question mark. And, of course, we're talking about the film Boiler Room. 
which is the opposite of what's going on outside. Right. It's a freezer outside. I get what you did there with yeah, the see? weather. Yeah. There you go. The tagline for Boiler Room, as evidenced by IMDb, is Welcome to the New American Dream. And the basic gist of this movie is that a ne'er-do-well college kid, like ourselves, was presented with an opportunity to make a lot of money in a sort of less than legal slash dubious yet exciting manner mm-hmm. that involved cocaine. I told you it would come back. <laughs> Not drug dealing, but stock trading. Why was this an awesome movie? Well, to get back to the tagline, the new American dream, I feel like the American this dream. Was, this was 2000, by the way, February 18th, 2000. So this was. Before the world went to shit. This was before, this was before 9-11. This yeah. was before a lot of stuff. I always say that if, if, if aliens came down and they were like, hey, what was the world like before 9-11? You would show them Mandy Moore's candy music video. And they'd just be like, okay, we get it. I don't know. They've got Indian accents for some reason, but that's what's what it is. But I think this, in terms of like the ramping up of greed and the devastation of, you know, when the economy would collapse after 9-11, when things would go to shit. And and then later with the housing crisis, like the new American dream, it's kind of prophetic. It is. But in the same instance, the American dream, I think, was always to go to America, get rich. Was it though, or was it to have enough? Well, to have enough was the pursuit of happiness, I would think. With Will Smith? Yeah. We can't do that movie because that movie, like. Won well, awards. It won awards. Yeah, yeah people we have to know stay about that, that movie. But the pursuit of, I think it's more the pursuit of. Happiness. Well, not happiness, but like contentment. Okay. Having enough. Financial security. Security, yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, the new American dream is greed. It's no secret, and there's even a part in the movie where they're watching Wall Street and reciting it word for word, which I think is pretty awesome because right. I love that movie too. But it's basically Wall Street 2000. Right. No, shut up, man. Listen, Gecko's coming up. What's going on? I'm looking at 200,000 shares move, pal. I want to know if we're part of it. Well, better be, or I'm going to come down and eat your lunch for you. Back in two, Alex. I love that it's 40. 50, it's an insult. They're analysts, they don't know preferred stock from livestock. Right. Well, can wait till it goes down and I gum up and firm count. <laughs> this is a kid. Calls me 59 days in a row, wants to be a player. Ought to be a picture of you in the dictionary under persistent, kid. Yeah, now listen, Jerry, I'm looking for negative control, okay? No more than 30, 35%. Just enough to block anybody else's merger plans and find out from the inside if the books are cooked. <laughs> Looks as good on paper, we're in the kill zone, pal, lock and load. Lunch? Oh, you gotta be kidding, lunch for whips. Okay, Fidel, I'll talk to you. How do you do, Mr. Gecko? So you say nice to meet you. Hope you're intelligent. Where'd you get these? I got a connection at the airport. Nice job, Mr. Queen. Hey, get the fuck off. Which, or which, Wolf of Wall Street 2000. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I was going to say it overtakes and it supplants the terrible, terrible, which will never be on this show, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, <laughs> because that movie was hot garbage. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. That movie was hot garbage. My dad, my dad watched that on FX one time, and Shia LaBeouf came on TV, and he just goes, who's this twerp? <laughs> and that was the perfect description of Shia LaBeouf. Even Steven. Yeah, I guess. Back to Boiler Room. So I think the new American dream could be in the tagline, and not to wax too much on the tagline, but the new American dream could be to get that financial security as easily and quickly as possible. So the American dream is basically in the quick and easy buck. 
Correct. This movie. Yeah, like anything that we're going about to go out into like the the 2000s where fame is going to get really quickly with everybody on you know YouTube oh, becoming reality vloggers. TV. Yep. yep. Everything is going to be quick and easy, and that is exactly what's going on in this movie. Is that they're going to get into the quick bucks? He says something like um, in the beginning of the movie. He just he says something like he didn't want to be an innovator. He just wanted to get in. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it's about. It's oh, this him. movie is highly quotable. Oh, this movie. I quote this movie at least once a day. <laughs> yeah. I think at least once a day, either via text or just to myself in my head, I'll say something that's strictly out of boiler room for no good reason. Right. Sometimes I put on chapstick like Vin Diesel does when he's uh, giving Giovanni Ribisi advice. A weird scene. It a is weird, a weird scene. scene. It is a weird scene. But who, speaking of Vin Diesel, there's a lot of people in this movie. There's Giovanni Ribisi, he's the main character, Seth Davis, who there's a part in the movie where a guy, af- after Seth Davis has kind of run his paces trying to become a stockbroker and he's like getting into it and he's getting really good at it, there's a part where a telemarketer calls him and, it's go- and he, he it picks up the phone and he goes, hello, Seth Davis? Hello? Davis, this is Ron calling you from the Daily News. How you doing this morning? It's Davis, and I'm not interested. Okay, I'm sorry to bother you. Have a nice day. Wait a minute. Wait, that's your pitch? You consider that a sales call? <laughs> Who mispronounces Davis? I don't know. Like, that always drove me nuts. Like, the guy's like, Mr. Davis? And he says, it's Davis, and I'm not interested. Of course it's Davis. Oh, in the deleted scenes, you have Jamie Kennedy completely not knowing his last name. And they're just waxing their ad I don't know if I've ever watched the deleted scenes. Really? There's no, there's one of the, the deleted scenes is like five minutes of all of them in a car just driving around and ad-libbing. Really? And like Jamie Kennedy is like, Seth, Seth Rome? And Giovanni's <laughs> like, no, Davis. My name is Seth Davis. And, and in the like, movie, oh. they're friends. Like oh, from, like best from, friends. Yeah. From growing up. But uh, I remember the deleted scene or the alternate ending where mm-hmm. the guy that Seth Davis just screws out of his entire life savings. His wife leaves him. His kids go with her. He just, he loses like 50 grand or something. And in the movie, Seth Davis gets it back, tries to get it back for him and does sort of this noble, like, you know, falling on the sword thing. But there's an alternate ending where that guy just goes into the building anonymously with a gun. I actually prefer the I alternate. I do too. Like, that was pretty, I mean, I don't want to celebrate workplace shootings. No. Certainly not something we, we approve of on this show, but that was pretty badass. Are we jumping the gun by talking about the ending already? I don't know. I don't really have a format at this <laughs> um, moment. I just knew I wanted to do the haiku. <laughs> we were talking about Giovanni Ricci. Vin Diesel's in this movie. He has a big, he sort of plays like an older brother type role. I think his best actor. Maybe. I mean. I was trying to think, as I was watching this last night, I was trying to think of another movie. I mean, people celebrate the pacifier. Do they? With him. Who celebrates the pacifier? My sister. Oh, all right. (laughs) All the Fast and the Furious movies, you could argue that he just is Vin Diesel being Vin Diesel. Right. But he does it well. And Pitch Black is the same thing. Just Vin Diesel with contacts. You know, I've never seen Pitch Black. I think I told you that the other day. You did. I've never seen Pitch and Black. And really, I would only recommend Pitch Black because of Cole Hauser. I and, think that's one of his strong movies. I, and again, I think you said that the other day, and I said, Cole Hauser, he was in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yes. And I didn't know that until I watched Goodwill Hunting like three weeks ago. Although not many people would go, oh, Goodwill Hunting is the Cole Hauser movie. Oh, yeah, that Cole Hauser <laughs> vehicle from the <laughs> mid 90s? Yeah. No. Okay, who else? Scott Kahn is in this. He's pretty funny in this. Awesome. Jamie Kennedy. Although with Scott Kahn. Gone in 60 seconds is what I always go to with him. Okay, yeah. But essentially, he's the same character. He's, yes. He's always tweeter doing something. He's always from Varsity Blues. Right. And he's always like, he's tweeter in a suit. You know what? I take that being... back because the Ocean's Eleven series, mm-hmm. him and Casey Affleck were really good in that. Yeah. 
I have a friend who, and I mentioned this to you, hates Giovanni Urbisi, yes. like with a passion. I texted him when you and I were out to lunch that one day, and I said, why do you at hate? At Applebee's. At Applebee's, which up. is our place. Whatever. Yeah. It's our place. Same Whatever. Part, if you don't like it, fuck off. Whatever. They have decent steak at Applebee's. Decent. Um, <laughs> but I asked him, why do you hate Giovanni Urbisi so much? And I know. I, he's explained it to me many times, but I wanted him to text it to me so you could see it. And I can't repeat what he texted back. It was no, just, it was vulgar, just vulgar and terrible and just rude. But, but not, but he, but not untrue. Right. He makes a good point that Giovanni Urbisi, more so than Scott Kahn, plays basically the same character in the bulk of his movies. Now I'm excluding things like The Other Sister, which was a more character-driven role. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to put a lot into that one. But and, in the same instance. You could see parts of the other sister in every role that he plays. I've never seen the other sister. I just oh. know I know it. And I know what it's well, about. Well, he plays a mentally handicapped individual. Okay. My my friend's argument is that he always plays the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And in Boiler Room, he plays the fuck up who's a stockbroker. Right. In Gone in sixty seconds, he's the fuck up car thief. Mm-hmm. In like Avatar, even he was the fuck up CEO of whatever that. And speaking of Avatar, Corp, did you see his IMDb? Who Giovanni Ribisi? No, he is locked into Avatar until twenty twenty four. Who cares all the about way, Avatar? All the way up to Avatar five Ugh. is planned out. Do we need an Avatar two? Really? I have it written down here somewhere. What the Avatar scale. Why? Why did you write that down? Because it was so interesting. Who? So you got Ugh. Avatar 2 in 2020, Avatar 3 in 2021, Avatar 4 in 2024, oh. and Avatar 5 in 2025. I feel as though we've gone off track. <laughs> <laughs> and I this don't, is eight years I, look, of Avatar. Look, Avatar was fun to watch. Avatar was fun to look at, but I don't want to see it. When it was through. Pocahontas. I or dances with wolves but i don't want to sit through three more hours of three more hours what well yeah three times what five fifteen more hours of of hearing oh jake sully you little baby you walk around like little baby james cameron like the key to the kingdom with this avatar they did it made like two billion dollars or something wasn't it the highest grossing movie of all time until Jurassic World? Maybe. Something like that? I know. Uh, Fast and the Furious 8, I think. Beat oh. out Jurassic World. Whatever. Fate 8. But anyway, Fast, the fate of the Furious, that's what it was. <laughs> but anyway, back to Giovanni Ribisi. What are some other movies that he's been in so that we can that we can uh, affirm this theory? I mean, Sneaky Pete is his new one on Amazon. Oh, and he's like a fuck-up con man, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Let's see here. I'm going to go to his, his IMDb. So yeah, Avatar 5. It's insane. Flight of the Phoenix. I never saw that, but I think he was like a fucked up, co- fuck up co-pilot or something like that, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't remember that. That went over my head. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. That movie was just a fuck up. So, <laughs> so there's that. I don't think that my friend is entirely wrong. Oh, the Mod Squad. Mm. Uh, he was like a fuck up convict who got a second chance to right. be on the Mod Squad, whatever. Yeah. So I don't that was think a my good friend. Claire Danes movie. That was a great Omar Epps vehicle. I think. <laughs> I don't think that my friend's theory is completely without merit. But here's the thing point. is I'd like to watch that about Giovanni yeah. Ribisi. I don't think anybody does that role better than him. He does what he does. and Basic. Look, Basic's in another movie with John Travolta and Samuel Jackson where he plays a fuck-up Marine. Never saw that. Basic. Never saw that. I'm thinking of the general's daughter. I don't know why, but that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Wasn't John Travolta in that one yes. too? Yeah. Okay. So that's why. Yeah. Same cover. So back to Boiler Room. We're going on these tangents, and I feel like that's not a bad thing. I no. feel like that's that's pretty good. Well, this is just all conversation yeah. for people to go to work with. So... 
Boiler Room, we saw it at a time in our lives when we were probably, what, 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20? Well, it came out in 2000. So, so I, was I was 18. I was 19 also. So we were just probably just giant pricks at that time who were really, really, not pricks in the sense of like, we're mean to people and we're assholes, but like, you know, you're like a 19-year-old kid. You think you own the world. Yeah, you think certain things about the world. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we saw this movie and we were just like, man, these guys are awesome. Right. There's scenes with just like them getting wads of cash via FedEx. They're all talking about like, oh, these designer suits. They all drive Lamborghinis and Ferraris. There's a scene. I think there's a deleted scene, which I have seen with hookers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, as I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is Wolf of Wall Street. Like, this is, you know, and then I went on IMDb and somebody says, it's the unauthorized, loosely based version of Jordan Belfort. Well, here's the thing. Written and directed by a guy named Ben Younger, who apparently spent time working in a boiler room. Really? That's what I've read that the like the basis for this movie was that the director writer had spent time working in a dubious sort of set of circumstances as it related to like stock trading and and finances. It's interesting to me that these places exist because they seem like like it seems like it wouldn't be hard to spot one. No. You know, like if if the guys who work in an actual boiler room are anything like the guys in the movie, it seems like you could basically just go to any bar in Manhattan and be like, yeah, I bet those guys work in a boiler room. Well, even, I mean, it has a term. So it's got to be so prevalent that it's. Oh, I don't know know. what's scarier. The term that there's, that nuclear weapons get stolen so often or that there's actually a term for it. (laughs) Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. Which is a great film. Sometimes you scare me, Giles. <laughs> well, Samantha <laughs> sometimes Mathis. I, sometimes I scare myself. But yeah, so... What is a boiler room? A boiler room is basically, according to this movie, where stockbrokers... And they're licensed stockbrokers. Like, they pass the, the Series 7 and they are licensed by the SEC and everything. Go into this office and basically shill fake stock. They call people and they tell people this stock has just come on the market. It's a new drug. It's a new medical technology. It's a new whatever it is. They say it's about to explode and they basically just hype you up. They're hype men for stock mm-hmm. and they get you to invest. And then if it's it's called pump and dump because they pump it full of hype and they pump it full of like rumors and stuff like that that makes the stock go sky high. So there's a little bit of a window for a good return, but then it just crashes. Right. And, that's and it's like they- a Ponzi scheme with, with stocks because right. they do help out some clients. They help out their biggest clients. They sell them IPOs of other stocks that will generate money and keep people on the hook. <clears throat> so it's not just, you know, they're not burning one customer at a time. They are, they're creating an addiction. I think that if there's one thing that I struggle to to grasp about this movie, it's that I feel like the people that that these boiler rooms prey on, like I could imagine Giovanni Urbisi's character calling cold calling my dad. <laughs> And being like, do you want to buy some stock in this new medical technology? It's a retractable syringe, blah, blah, blah. And he gives him his whole pitch. And my dad's just like, who's this twerp? (laughs) And I just don't feel like people, I wouldn't, I feel like I wouldn't fall for it. But I guess there are a lot of people out there who, like you said before, want that instant gratification. And when they hear you can buy in at seven and it's going to go to 15. I mean, I I typically screen my phone calls. So I don't know if I would even pick up. But if I did pick up and somebody was like, hey, yeah, I got this get rich quick opportunity. And then all of a sudden all this excitement and shouting and everything happened in the background. Oh, that's a good point. They do. They do masquerade it quite a bit by. Oh, yeah. We forgot the big point. They lie. (laughs) quite a bit on the phone yes <laughs> I forgot about that you could be the president of the company you can be yeah you 
when Vin Diesel makes his big, like, he, he makes this big dramatic phone call to a doctor <laughs> and he pretends to be the son of the owner of the firm or something like that. Because the firm is J.T. Marlin. J.T. Marlin. Hi, Dr. Jacobs. This is Chris Marlin over at J.T. Marlin. Marlin? Right, he's my father. <laughs> he's my mother. So my associate tells me you're interested in one of our stocks. Your wife's not great. I will call her back. Uh, yes, uh, MSC sounds like it might be interesting. Might be. Might be doesn't sell stock at the rate MSC is going for it, Dr. Jacobs. We're talking very high volume here. Oh, well, I still have to run it by my people. That's great, Doc, if you want to miss yet another opportunity here and watch your colleagues get rich doing clinical trials and don't buy a share and hang up the phone. Well, hold on a second now. I didn't say that. I just want to talk about it some more. Honestly, Doc, I don't have the time. This stock is blowing up right now. The whole firm's going nuts. Hold on. Let me open up the door to my office. <laughs> See that, Doc? That's my trading floor. Now I have a million calls to make to a million other doctors who are already in the know. I can't walk you through this right now. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, let's do this. <laughs> now, do you want that confirmation sent to your office or your mansion? Ah, <laughs> uh -huh, very funny, Mr. Marlin. Let me put my secretary on and she'll take down your info. It was a pleasure doing business with you. Done and done. I want a t-shirt that says JT Marlin Company Picnic. I'm going to get that one. That should be something. I'm going to get one. Oh, Meta Cafe Press. I'm going to get one. But yeah, he lies. He says that it, there's a part where he's like, let me open up the door to my office. And he's standing there in the middle of just a room full of stockbrokers. And he makes a motion like, go. And they all just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Scott Kahn is, oh, Scott Con Yeah, Scott Kahn makes some inappropriate remarks. I can't believe you repeated that. It's more of a play and a show, really. Mm -hmm. A dramatic scene than in the office than it is an actual like sales pitch. And well, that's, and that's the gets, weird thing. That's is what also gets the doctor to buy it. Everybody is so aware of what everybody else is doing in that room. Yeah. Because when he takes that one phone call, everybody is is attuned to that. Well, that's because he yelled "Reco" right. across the office. But that like shuts down. Every, like nobody else has a sales call going on at that moment that they're gonna. <laughs> Are we nitpicking this movie now? We're not no? nitpicking. I just I just enjoy it. <laughs> I feel like it's a slow day and Ben Diesel is going to be Let's talk the winner. about Ben Affleck. Ah, let's play a Ben Affleck. I've seen Ben Affleck. I was sitting in the Bill Maher audience when he went off about Islamophobia and he was all jacked up to play Batman. I don't know what you're talking about. Ben Affleck almost hit my friend with a car one time. Really? Yeah, in California. Fantastic. Allegedly. Do we no, have to say that? No, it's true. I mean it was it's it's I mean, I don't know how other than getting like a written confession from Ben Affleck, but like that's a completely plausible story. Okay. Ben Affleck driving a Ferrari almost ran my friend over at a crosswalk in LA. Yeah, we were in the live studio audience of Bill Maher and he was the special guest that we did not know about him and uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Oh. But she tickled my mind and then Ben Affleck came out all jacked up for Batman and I was like that's a good-looking man right there. He's a handsome guy. He is a handsome guy. I have nothing against Ben Affleck. Like, Ben Affleck, I made I made a joke in my opening haiku, which I, I give myself at least four stars on that haiku out of five. Yeah, um, it was good. But uh, he's awesome in this movie. Mm -hmm. let's, pay, let's play a clip from Ben Affleck giving a speech. He basically only shows up in... in four scenes. Like, four scenes, mm -hmm. and they're all kind of the same. They're all him in a boardroom yelling at the new trainees. Except for when he's, like, randomly on the couch. Yeah, except for when he's watching Wall Street with the rest of the dudes. So And he does, uh, just real quick, he affects one of the scenes. The scene where Vin Diesel and Giovanni are sitting in the car just talking to each other. Giovanni makes the good joke of, 
uh, why do you still live with your mom? I don't just... understand that scene at all. <laughs> why? Why? What is that? What is the point of that? I don't get that. <laughs> but here's the thing. The reason why they're sitting in the car and not driving around is because Ben Affleck earlier in the day was sitting in the car and he took the keys home with him. So they couldn't move the car. <laughs> this wow. is what you learn on like IMDb trivia. Yeah. Okay, let's play a Ben Affleck clip. Here's him yelling at, at the trainees. Okay, here's the deal. I'm not here to waste your time. Okay, and I certainly hope you're not here to waste mine. So I'm going to keep this short. Become an employee of this firm, you will make your first million within three years. Okay? I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of your first day of employment at J.T. Marlin. There is no question as to whether or not you'll become a millionaire working here. The only question is how many times over. You think I'm joking? I am not joking. I am a millionaire. It's a weird thing to hear, right? I'll tell you. It's a weird thing to say. I am a fucking millionaire. I guess how old I am. 27. You know what that makes me here? A fucking senior citizen. This firm is entirely comprised of people your age, not mine. Lucky for me, I happen to be very fucking good at my job or I'd be out of one. You guys are the new blood. You're going to go home with the Kessif. You are the future big swinging dicks of this firm. Now, y'all look money hungry, and that's good. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. You are required to work your fucking ass off at this firm. We want winners here, not pikers. A piker walks at the bell. A piker asks how much vacation time you get in the first year. Vacation time? People come and work at this firm for one reason, to become filthy rich. That's it. We're not here to make friends. We're not saving the fucking manatees here, guys. You want vacation time? Go teach third grade public school. Okay. First three months of the firm are as a trainee. <clears throat> you make $150 a week. After you're done training, you take the Series 7. You pass that, you become a junior broker, and you're opening accounts for your team leader. You open 40 accounts, you start working for yourself. Sky's the limit. Word or two about being a trainee, your friends, your parents, the other brokers, whoever, they're going to give you shit about it. It's true. $150 a week, not a lot of money. But pay them no mind. You need to learn this business, and this is the time to do it. Once you pass the test, None of that's going to matter. Your friends are shit. They tell me you made 25 grand last month. They're not going to fucking believe you. Fuck them. Fuck them. Parents don't like the life you lead? Fuck you, mom and dad. See how it feels when you're making their fucking Lexus payments. Now go home and think about it. Think about whether or not this is really for you. If you decide it isn't, listen, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not for everyone. <clears throat> Thanks. But if you really want this, you call me on Monday, and we'll talk. Just don't waste my fucking time. Okay. You make a good point. Ben Affleck is totally anti-bullying. To set the scene, he's in a room full of like these new trainees who want to come in and become stockbrokers at J.T. Marlin. And one of the guys 
mistakenly sits at the head of the table, which has been Affleck's chair, which he doesn't even sit in, no. by the way. He, he just rolls it away. out of the way. Perfect moment. And he says, excuse me, man, that's my chair. And the guy's all apologetic. He's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this other guy, who's the only guy in the room, look what he's wearing. He's dressed in like a track jacket oh, yeah. and a red sweater. And the, all the other guys are wearing suits. Stands out. He's And he's got crappy yellow headphones that aren't even like earbuds. They're actual like over-the-top headphones. Here's and, the thing also that I want to point out for anybody that's going to go venture out to watch Boiler Room. Which you should is that the extras in this are literally just 20 men put in a room who are reacting as little as possible because Ben Affleck is pretty much telling them they're all going to be millionaires and they're all staring at their laps like they're getting chewed out. I've never really paid attention to that, but I'll have to watch it again. Especially the guy right behind Giovanni Ribisi with the unibrow. He even looks at the camera. There are several unibrows. Are there really? I I was focusing on that. I was calling him unibrow in my notes. This is a... Because he looks at the camera. This movie's set in Long Island. Uh, There's quite a few unibrows from what I remember in this Mm. movie. Um, But anyway... Ben Affleck comes in and he's he's about to give a spiel and this kid tries to get get in good with the boss basically by ragging on the guy who mistakenly sat in Ben Affleck's chair and calls him a fucking dumbass and Ben Affleck's just like no get the fuck out of here what don't talk to me don't look at me just pick your ass up out of that Italian leather chair and get the fuck out of this room right now come on let's go schlepprock out. He says it kind of like matter-of-factly, like, how dare you sit in Ben Affleck's chair? Right. When he doesn't even know who Ben Affleck is, even though Ben Affleck comes in the room and he's like, pretty much the shit. We expect everyone here to treat their co-workers with a certain level of respect. Mm-hmm. And know? here's the thing that I think Boiler Room excels in, is that in the commentary, Giovanni Ribisi said that it's a celebration. Who is Giovanni Ribisi? I don't is know. Giovanni Actually, Ribisi's brother? <laughs> uh, his real first name is Antonino. Really? Yeah. Not Antonio. Or maybe there's a mistake on IMDb. But So yeah, Antonino Ribisi. In the commentary, he said that the film is a celebration of masculinity. And he said, masculinity is beautiful like femininity. And About was, Boiler Room? Mm-hmm. Okay. And while he's saying this on the commentary, you got Thomas Everett Scott hanging out on the screen. And I was like, <laughs> he's the least masculine person probably in this film. And he's the boss, I would Him say. Him or the guy who plays Greg. Because Greg is just like a, he's just a big puss, this whole movie. He just, he sucks. Right. But then there's like the, there was a goof that said, oh yeah, Ben Affleck says we treat everybody here with respect, but nobody respects each other in the boiler room. And I feel like like there's an interesting dichotomy there because when you sit in our dorm room in college, we all made fun of each other. True. But in the same instance, nobody outside of that dorm room could make fun of us. Was our dorm room a boiler room? Did you sell any stock that year? I did not. I mean, you were selling uh, jeans... I was selling Jeans. pajama pants that I made out yeah. of bed sheets on <laughs> it eBay. It was amazing. I still and, tell people this. Story. And I sold bootleg videotapes of old Nickelodeon shows. Really? I did. I didn't really I didn't know we were pirating. We were other than Napster. We were pirating the hell out of some shit. <laughs> so that's the that's the exploration of the movie, I feel, is masculinity. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean it's a very bro movie. Other than Nikki Cat being disrespectful to Abby, they are not so much in the movie disrespectful to women. It's weird. That that's why this movie's so good. They're layers. They're yeah. layers. We're getting close to probably a half hour here. So let's let's do some research and read some reviews from IMDB. These are all one star reviews and two star reviews that are just wrong. 
The movie is based on a decent premise, but leaps out of bounds because of the acting and direction. The acting is awful. The characters are unbelievable. I disagree with that vehemently. That doesn't even make sense. Because one thing we didn't talk about was Giovanni Ribisi's relationship with his father. The whole movie is about him seeking his father's approval. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, he runs a casino out of his like dorm room or his apartment. His apartment. His apartment. He runs a, a casino out of his apartment for college kids. Which why and is that illegal? I, they want to spend know. money. They can spend money. I guess. I mean, I don't know. We. I don't know. I suppose it's the same as like betting on fantasy football or something like that. Mm-hmm. What would your family say if you got caught running a casino out of your apartment? Uh, well, my mom is against gambling, so she would be. She would be. You know, slapping me. And then my father is for gambling, and so he would probably be playing there. Okay. So that's why I couldn't really connect with the judge in this story. That's right. His father's a judge. And he's like, this will ruin me, Seth. That, ruin which me. makes sense. I mean, you know, the, the kid of a judge, like, it's it's like every time Michael Douglas's kid gets busted for selling drugs, you're just like, man, that reflects poorly on Michael Douglas. <laughs> but that's drug. I don't know. I don't Maybe know because either. I grew up with gambling all around me that I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, yeah. if they want to spend their money, they want to spend it's their like money. It's like The Godfather. Gambling is a harmless vice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I got The Godfather soundtrack from the library yesterday. Nice. I listened to it on the way over here. Beautiful. <laughs> Anyway, this whole movie is basically about his dynamic relationship with his father, where he tries to get his father's approval by joining J.T. Marlin and becoming a stockbroker, which he thinks his father will view as like a noble profession. It just happens to be that he becomes a stockbroker at this chop shop that eventually gets raided by the FBI. But by the end of the movie, little spoiler alert, him and his father make peace over the sacrifices. Number one, he closes the casino. And number two, he's willing to go to jail to protect his father when the whole FBI mess happens. Right. And I think that's like, I mean, that's a dynamic character. That's a relationship that grows throughout the movie. That's what you want in a movie, right? And Giovanni does some good acting work. Like at first it's a little uncomfortable when he starts crying like a 10 year old. (laughs) But in the same as he has this story where he misses the, the bike pedal on his bike and the pedal spins around so fast that it shatters his leg which it just sounds terrible (laughs) it sounds horrible i mean i feel like we all missed the pedal and felt the pedal against our shin but to do it in such a way that it's going to shatter your leg not only does that happen but then he loses control over the bike starts going out of control down a hill and then ends up behind a parked car for 30 minutes where nobody helps him until his father comes around and then slaps him across the face to get him to stop crying which i laughed at that moment because he's telling the story to nia long who does not have purple hair when i told you oh this is the movie with nia long and purple hair that's stigmata oh no she might look like she has purple hair because of the terrible fluorescent it's, lighting and she's just got a little pixie cut and jt marlin um so he's telling this is first date material by the way that he's telling her the story about how he shattered his leg and his father slapped him across the face was it their first date i feel like i mean they're just I mean, maybe on screen it was, yeah. And so he goes on this long diatribe about, and then his father slaps him across the face. And Nia has this beat where she's nodding along, probably listening on FM. And then all of a sudden she realizes what he just said. And she's like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why do you do do that? And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) At the end, his father explains it. He's like, yeah, I just, I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I fucked up. I needed to get you to stop crying. And that's all I could think of. And cries like a 10-year-old that just broke his leg. And And that's when I like, oh, now I get that acting beat. Right. What is it, Seth? What do you want? You were hysterical. I had to get you to stop. My fucking leg was broken. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't get the job that you wanted me to have. But 
I mean, who, who gives a shit? Because I'm, I'm good at what I do, Dad. I'm good at what I do. And the, the casino, the casino was a fucking business, and I, and I ran it pretty fucking well, Dad. And to think that I closed it for you. Wait, 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 wait. When did you close it? And then, and then I went after this job because I thought it was what you wanted me to be doing. Seth, Seth, wait a second. When did you close it? And I, and I tried, I tried to make the changes that you wanted me to do. And I'm leaving JT now. I, I just, I'm just asking you for this one thing, Dad. Just this one thing, please. Just to help your son. I can't, Seth. I can't. I'm sorry. Here's another review, which perfectly sums up this movie. I watched this movie last night on USA. This movie's always on USA. Is it? It's always on USA, and it's on HBO all month. But by the time this comes out, it'll be over. So, what kind of dub does it have? It's it's not terrible. It's it's not one of those where you'd notice a ton missing if you'd never seen the movie before. Okay. So let's see. I wish I would have bought thirteen dollars worth of penny stocks instead of wasting the money on this movie. Well, but he watched it on USA. No, that's a different review. Oh. But <laughs> I mean, th- this guy spent thirteen dollars to see it. When he could have just as easily watched it on USA, I think is the point. That's just terrible financing. That's and just that guy's just bad. So at, he he had to buy it. That guy's it, yeah. It sounds like it. That guy did just, not buy a thirteen dollar movie ticket in two thousand. He says, "Wait for this one to show up on HBO or network television. I don't think it will be long. I wish I would have bought thirteen dollars worth of penny stocks instead of wasting the money, money, money on this movie. Money, money, money is three dollar signs. I recommend this movie. I own it. I love it. But you could rent it first. Don't pirate it like we did." with Nickelodeon movies like I did. Oh, I, I, was I don't want to bring you I don't want to bring you into this. This was VHS. I don't want to bring you into this. Yeah, you don't remember that? I had two VCRs stacked on top of each other that I would like overnight press play and then press play and record. And I don't remember dub that. like Hey Dude for some kid that I was This in was my a nightly class. operation. Oh yeah. This was this was a machine, bro. Nice. One more review, let's see. Even though it's 2000, not the 80s, they become bazillionaires and spend money on hoes. That, to be fair, is pretty accurate. They don't become bazillionaires. Well, they're dealing with like $50,000 here. You know, like the, well, the one thing I like about says, this, they're not like throwing money around. He gets FedEx stacks of cash, which from is From his great. bookie, though. Right. That has nothing to do with the movie. Right. You never trading. see, like they buy expensive houses, but they have one couch and one TV in the house. Right. So, it's, <clears throat> and obviously it's real estate because that house has to be two three million dollars oh yeah in new york at that time yeah but they don't i I don't see them spending gobs of cash around it's a buddy film in a brokerage how would you pitch this movie to somebody who's never seen it and has heard bad things about it if you liked wolf of wall street if you like glengarry glenn ross and you like wall street like this film is self-referential which you'll never see again there's no wall street film that's gonna be like oh did you see michael douglas and as gordon gecko did you see Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? Like this is an homage to all these films that were great. And then they just put it in a boiler room, huh. mix it up and churn out something original with a great cast. Right. The Vin Diesel acting in this movie, you're never going to see that again. He's now just going to play a tough guy with muscles. He doesn't even show his muscles in this. He is in a full three-piece suit the entire movie. Pretty much. He is, he is Vin Diesel incognito. He's like Vin Unleaded. So, yeah, I would say it's a celebration of masculinity, mm-hmm. especially in the 2000s, with a great soundtrack, with a good message. There's a part in the movie where, where they are watching Wall Street, and one of the guys says, grab a beer, have a slice. I think that's how you watch this movie. <laughs> right. With pizza, beer, some bros, 
and you're just like leave everything at the door and then watch the movie and then probably don't come out and try to imitate these guys Mm -hmm. but you can quote the hell out of it you can't like this is a bunch of bros sitting around making fun of each other which and i feel like we've done a horrible disservice to jamie kennedy for not talking about how great he is in this film he's pretty funny with a great mustache oh the mustaches, like the unibrows, are fantastic in this. Just for like ten minutes, just give it a rest. Yo, Holmes, I need some chow I need some motherfucking nose candy. You know what I'm saying? I need some kizzy up my nizzy. Cause I need to get high like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So give me some of that nose candy, motherfucker. Bring that table over here and be arch. I wish Jamie Kennedy was not killed in Scream 2 because I think he would be so prevalent today. He was killed in... Oh, no, he came back as a videotape in mm-hmm. Scream 3. That's but right. I feel like Scream, the death in Scream 2 is what is what ruined him. And now he's in Tremors 6. There's a Tremors 6? Yeah. Are you shitting me? No, that's his next film. After Back to Perfection, there's a Tremors 6? Which one was Back to Perfection? Five. Yeah. Maybe. Which he was no, also four. In. No, he was in Tremors 5 and now he's in Tremors 6. Oh. We'll get to Tremors another time because that's... <laughs> Uh, what a great franchise. So I think to kind of keep keep things rolling on the show, we should start a ranking system where every movie we talk about, sort of like the college football rankings, there's a different poll every week and teams get shuffled around and we have sort of a top 10 of movies that we review that belong on this scale of not great, not bad, but what did you call them? Solid B plus C plus. Yeah. So we've only got Boiler Room right now. So Boiler Room's going to be at number one. Boiler Room's the best movie that we have reviewed so far. It's the best best average movie that we've reviewed and revived so far. And it's not actually, I mean, the ratings that it gets, it's got a 7.0 in IMDb. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not bad at all. No. Um, 67% on Rotten Tomatoes and 63% on Metacritic. Metacritic, which I don't, where is that a website? Metacritic, I think it's just another Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. It might be a robot. I'm not sure. (laughs) So, so yeah, so maybe we skewed a little bit high on this one, but for right now, we're going to clock Boiler Room in at number one on our list. That could lead us into our next movie that we're going to do. Should we give a preview of that, or should we just let it happen in the next show? We should just let it happen. All right, let's just let it happen. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so that's it. That's the first one wrapped up. It was a little long. We're going to get better at this, we promise, because we're going to keep doing it. And I think the main point that we want you to take away from these podcasts and we're talking about these movies is that not good not great but at the end of the day what's our tagline it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad you got to emphasize <laughs> it wasn't that, that, that bad. bad right it wasn't that bad all right this has been uh mc and spro second chance cinema nice. and uh we hope you'll come back yeah all right peace out Boiler Room was produced by Team Todd and distributed by New Line Cinema. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the soundtrack by the artist The Angel. Mandy Moore's song Candy was produced by Epic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro, or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. 
leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps make us more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on. Have a wonderful day, you beautiful person, you. We'll be right here, waiting. Thank <laughs> you.